was slinging puns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And they complained about time too, about not playing D&D. It was free for all, and I heard him say, he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable M's. Thanks, TJ. Hello, welcome, and remain indoors. I'm Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and this is Keep Off the Borderlands. Let's kick off with a little bit of feedback regarding some bath time entertainment from the last episode. Isolation, isolation. Nicely done. That's all I've got to say. Hats off to you, mate. Oh, loved it. <laughs> Great booshing. Uh, it's not a crimp, really, is it? It's more of a uh, an operatic piece. Very impressed. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Catch you soon, Spencer. Dave Aldridge there of Deeper Centile. And uh, yes, operatic. I'm sure Dave's referring to the original piece, which, as he points out, is from The Mighty Boosh, a British comedy that I'm something of a, a fanboy for. And uh, I think it's safe to say Dave is too. Hey, Spencer, it's Cody. I'm uh, just catching up on the latest episode. And, uh, yeah, you remind me I need to check in with Dave and see if I can't get in another one of those games. Um, he does a pretty good job with the Black Act. And um, it's an interesting setting. And, yeah, I think, um, you know, if, if anyone's listening who hasn't had a chance to play in it that would have the opportunity, um, I think you should take it up. It's a, it's a good game. And I wanted to say the, the song you sang at the end, it was almost like um, Duke Ellington singing, but there was, like, no piano. I don't know. <laughs> I liked it. Anyway, uh, keep up the good work, man, and I'll catch you later. Bye. Wow, Cody. Duke Ellington? Are you sure about that? Maybe next time I should try and get the piano in the tub. We'll see how accurate that assessment is. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Cody there from... Uh, <laughs> no Safe For You, that's it. It's been a while since you put out an episode, but, um, yeah, I knew it was there somewhere. Obviously, Cody has featured on the uh, Tentacle Tumbleweeds recently, which has been great fun listening to, along with uh, TJ Drennan there. And uh, what else was I going to say? Yes, Dave Aldrich running the Black Hack. He's tried to uh, slip in a few more sessions, I think, during the lockdown. I'm always raving about that game and how easy it is to just drop in. And that doesn't just go for me. That goes for anybody else who wants to jump in there too. Really good, fun sessions. And I got another message from Cody. Hey, Spencer, it's Cody. I've um, been away for a little bit, you know, doing some other stuff, uh, namely reading. But anyway, I came back to your guys' uh, podcast, and I am listening to the Bastion Social and uh, while I was cooking dinner. And, man, what a great, great episode. 
um, the the uh, I don't know what to call it, if it's actually banter or not, but the the discussion you and um, Barney had was fantastic, and it's got me excited to play this game. I had been running my own version of Bastion, and um, you know, in between the release of um, you know the the updated Electric Bastion land and the previous release. Anyway, um, if you guys are looking to do this again, I would be happy to come on and chat with you guys. I have a lot of ideas for the game. Um, anyway, uh, keep up the good work, and I will catch you later. Bye. Yeah, Cody, I am aware. Well, I actually sent you a message, but I wanted to share this in the episode because, well, hopefully Barney's listening. The whole idea of the Bastion Social was something that Barney suggested to me a while ago, and the the idea is to open it up and get other people involved. I know you've run into the odd in the past, and uh, I lamented the fact that I was unable to get involved in that game. As we discussed, Barney has been running the game as well. I've yet to GM anything, <laughs> to be honest. But I think uh, Electric Bastion Land might actually get me in the driver's seat, finally. But yeah, I'd love to talk more about that. Thanks for reaching out. Thinking about that Bastion Social episode and uh, how I felt that my vision of Bastion had changed in that process of just rolling up a couple of characters. And uh, I thought I would share my previous thoughts. Essentially, uh, just look through some old notes. I'd scroll down, perhaps read them out. I think I have to mention Peter Aykroyd at this point as someone that I was aware of his writing. And I believe Barney's also spoken about him in the past in connection with Bastion Land. He certainly mentioned him to me. Having written an award-winning book called London, The Biography, which I've not read myself, but it's by all accounts a very fascinating look into the history of the City of London. And uh, Barney happened to mention that Peter Aykroyd had written another book called London Under, which I picked up because it just, it screams Bastion Land to me. And as soon as I got it, I flipped open the pages and was reading about mudlarks. Now, mudlarks were essentially people who scavenged from the banks of the River Thames, further down the river from London, people were able to survive doing this. In an area where I grew up in South Essex, it's low-lying ground, mud flats, reed beds, quite a, a humid part of the UK, prone to thunderstorms and fog. And I'm aware that my Feelings about that landscape have become somewhat romanticised since moving to northern Scotland, which is a mountainous alpine region, extremely stunning part of the UK. Whereas, you know, that area of southeast England has got so many layers. There's a lot of 
history that's built up over the years upon what was there before. And that really kind of fed into how I felt about Bastion Land. When I first heard that Electric Bastion was going to be moving on, as it were, maybe into the early 20th century, at first I was concerned about leaving that sort of Victorian industrial grim and smoggy bastion behind. But then I figured, well, why not have electric bastion land layered on top? The setting of Into the Odd continues to exist as it is. Mixed in with that was this sort of idea of pre-revolutionary Moscow. So I'd made a few notes and I was just going to read them out. Bastion Land, a tiered society. The underclass of Bastion, like mudlarks, survive on what's discarded by the higher-ups. Electric Bastion Land, those that live there, are literally above the riffraff, looking down on them from observation booths, if they so wish, and the fog is thin enough although such gazing into the abyss is largely frowned upon as it betrays the illusion that these bourgeois have somehow earned their privileged position. Many of those above are seduced by the illusion of stability, barely noticing the inconsistencies of the reality around them. Life is much easier that way, ignoring the glut of inconveniences now this very much brought to mind a scene from one of my favourite films Brazil where there are people sitting in a fine dining restaurant and there's a terrorist attack a bomb goes off and the staff of the restaurant are solely focused on shielding the diners from the atrocity that's just occurred ensuring that they are able to continue their meal oblivious to what's going on. And that that scene has always stuck with me. The simpler folks' activities on ground level are unwittingly largely responsible for providing the power that fuels the extravagant lifestyles of those that live above them. This isn't quite the underground, more the basement, the boiler room, the cruel space of Bastion. The more ingenious and resourceful folks below often benefit from the things discarded by the more affluent above them, employing them in ways other than their intended purpose. Below them lay subterranean communities, living in a literal dark age, inhabiting medieval mines cut off from the outside world, largely by choice. The next bit I'm about to read out is um, my vision prior to us, me and Barney rolling up those characters, them looking after a manor house that obviously existed outside of Bastion, suggesting that travel to and from Bastion was more possible than I'd envisaged. I figured Bastion would be surrounded by barren plains 
treacherous waters, fetid swamps. But because of the rich resources beneath the city, it made sense for the people of Bastion to keep building upwards. Attempts to tunnel beneath the perilous surroundings into the wider world have generally only led to folks getting lost or leading to fantastic and more often terrible discoveries that either ended the project there or sent those involved spiralling off into madness. And then there's the aristocracy, the ruling class, far more alien than anyone would dare to point out. Either that or they are in league with alien forces having sold out their own kind in order to keep their positions of power. Something else that feeds into that is uh, J.G. Ballard's High Rise, which is an audio book I'm listening to read by Tom Hiddleston about a tower block that's essentially a vertical city with a more affluent residence living near the top in such luxury that their decadence turns into a violent chaos that filters down through the building ultimately affecting all those that live beneath them and there's been a strangely comforting listen in light of what's going on at the moment but uh, maybe I'm just a little twisted like that Well, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for your calls. If you want to leave a message, please click the anchor link in the description. Or if you prefer to contact me by email, there's a link there to spencer.freethrawl at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, MeWe, Instagram as Freethrawl. There's a Keep Off The Borderlands Facebook page. Also in that episode description, you'll find a link to T.J. Drennan's Patreon that provides all the wonderful music. Uh, It just remains for me to say, take it away, T.J. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.